We had a very interesting discussion on Verdict with Ted Cruz, that podcast. Now that I am officially a castmate of that show, it is my honor and my privilege. It's very fun to be a part of this show. But we had a very interesting discussion on the most recent episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz, where a listener asked the question to both Michael Knowles and Senator Ted Cruz, what federal agencies would you abolish or do you think need to be abolished? And of course, their answers were great. But I'd like to add... I'd like to add two federal agencies that need to be abolished to the answers that were given in that episode. The first one is TSA. TSA is the absolute worst. We have been on the road now for about six weeks, and this this is what happened to me on the way back from Billings, Montana, which is where I spoke at Rocky Mountain College um, just this Monday. On the way back, the TSA unpacked my entire diaper bag. I travel with my nine-month-old daughter, They dug around in the diaper bag until they found the the bottle of children's Benadryl that I bring with us, just in case my daughter ever has an allergic reaction. Now, this bottle of Benadryl is liquid Benadryl. It's wrapped up in that saran wrap um, that it comes in. I've never used it. The box was sealed. They not only dug in my diaper bag for this, they they made me open the box and made me unseal this Benadryl. And I said, is this really necessary? And they said, yes. And, you know, my thought, I try not to be sassy with these people because I just want to get to my plane. But my thought at the time was, If this was necessary, then how come the last 50 flights that I've been on in the last three months, you didn't feel it necessary to open up my diaper bag and unseal my Benadryl? Because I literally have been on 50 flights in the last three months, and they have not um, done this. I, I, I was also flagged, by the way, and this is a second time, I was also flagged carrying my daughter on my hip, my nine-month-old baby girl. I mean, she's wearing this purple knitted hat with, hat with a big pom-pom. I'm obviously living the mom life here. They flagged me for extra screening at TSA. And again, my thought is, well, either TSA is leaning very heavily into Mayorkas's idea that parents are domestic terrorists, or, or, and maybe this is more realistic here, maybe I, uh, as a young blonde mother, maybe perhaps the least threatening profile that you could possibly construct, maybe I'm just a balance um, of the actual profiling that they do so that they can report to um, the Biden administration that they are not engaging in racial profiling while also protecting the homeland. I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. I think TSA is completely useless. This is not, by the way, any disrespect meant to the men and women who serve in the TSA. This is the agency itself. The purpose of the agency itself is completely pointless. I mean, if you look at the TSA's Instagram, if you look at what they miss, if you look at what they've actually stopped, I don't know that there's anything useful about this agency at this point any longer. It is just bureaucracy and it makes it very difficult to travel. So as I said, I would abolish the TSA. This is another federal agency that needs to go on the chopping block. The other federal agency that I would abolish, we're gonna get to in um, just a moment. This was actually, by the way, also a question that a supporter on Locals asked me a couple months ago, which federal agencies do you think need to be abolished? And I began to write a list at the time that has just continued to grow. And we're gonna get to that um, shortly. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, we're going to talk about what other federal agency, and this is a big one. This is a very big federal agency. Which one needs to be abolished? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I want to talk first about Dave Portnoy, the CEO of Barstool Sports. This is a pretty crazy, pretty weird, um, pretty dirty story that should be getting 
more headlines than it is, but in a very different way than the headlines um, are portraying it. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But first I wanna talk to you about Headspace. Now maybe in this stressful world, our divided country, perhaps you've tried meditation to help reduce your stress and perhaps it didn't work. Or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong. Well, if mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Liz. That's headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation. That's headspace.com slash Liz. You have to use the promo code if you want the free one-month trial. You deserve it. It's time to relax. Headspace.com slash Liz. Okay, Dave Portnoy is the target of a business insider, essentially a hit piece against him. This is a business insider piece, which, by the way, my opinion about this piece, before we even get to it, is that they just wanted to use him. He's very famous, very popular. Everything he posts online goes wildly viral. They wanted to use his name and his face and a salacious accusation to get clicks because this allegation that they published against him is behind a paywall. You actually have to pay to click through to read this allegation. Um, which seems to be a weird type of story to place behind a paywall. The allegations in this article are from two anonymous women. Um, they say that Dave Portnoy sexually assaulted them, or I get—I don't know if they're exactly making an allegation of rape, but if they're not, I don't know what allegation they're making. They said that one of the women said that she was flown in to his house and she did not enjoy, she hooked up with him, she did not enjoy the sex. She told him to stop in the middle of it and he didn't. He says he did not, uh, that she did not say um, to stop. Obviously he said, she said. The other woman said that he, um, I don't know, I don't know a, a diplomatic way to phrase this, that he was extremely kinky, that he was choking her, that he was being gross. Um, and maybe that's true, who knows? I certainly don't want to know. Um, but that's not a crime. So he, here's what I would talk about. The, the way that the Me Too movement is constructed right now is a complete farce. It's a disservice to both men and to women. It's a disservice to men because an allegation from an anonymous person who doesn't identify themselves is used by the feminist left to try to take down men. Now, don't get me wrong. If men commit a crime, I am 100% prosecuting them, 100% in support of prosecuting them to the fullest extent of the law. In fact, I've said for a long time that I think conservatives and pro-lifers need to make a more concerted effort to um, tackle the problem. The problem being that 97% of rapists never get convicted, that they just walk free. Yeah, we need to target that. Conservatives need to do that and they need to do a better job than leftists doing that. That's maybe a different topic here. This idea that we believe all women or that a man can be taken down by an anonymous allegation against him and an allegation that actually isn't even an allegation of a crime, th this is a huge disservice. This, this makes it difficult for men to be around women. It makes men very skeptical of women. It is fundamentally unjust. It is unjust to treat men like this. So my, my analysis, I, I, I do read this. I think, by the way, that Dave Portnoy is a very entertaining individual. I think that he's built up an incredible business. I mean, he's exa an example of the prosperity of the free market. I also think that 
Based on his own admissions about his sex life, he seems to be a pig. He seems to be a kinky pig. I don't know a nicer way to say that. I mean, he brags about his sexual promiscuity. He is hooking up. What is he, like 45 years old? He's hooking up with 20-year-old college students who DM him on Instagram. Like, guy, come on, grow up. This This is disgusting behavior, but this is a precedent that has been a precedent in our country for a long time of defending people who seem like they don't deserve to be defended. This is a precedent set by John Adams, remember, when he defended the British troops, um, when essentially at the beginning of the Revolutionary War. This This is the same with Dave Portnoy. You can think he's a pig, and I certainly do. It's a shame that he seems like he's a pig because he's likable and he's entertaining and he's built a pretty cool business. Um, but he deserves due process regardless of the morality of his actions, regardless of the wisdom of his actions. He is entitled under the law to due process of law, And that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is the radical left has conflated the cultural idea of where the appropriate boundaries for sexual activity are. They've conflated that idea with legality. So you can go back to the 1970s. We had all the 1960s even. We had all these leftists telling women that the only way to be free, the only way to be liberated, the only way to be empowered was to have this quote unquote autonomy over your body where you could treat sex as something that's not sacred, something that doesn't belong within the bounds of marriage, that you could just have a free-for-all. The free love movement was the only way for women to truly embrace their sexuality. So that's what the left told us, right? Now, the reality of the situation is, if you behave in this way, then you're going to feel self, self-loathing, you're going to feel regret, you're going to feel gross, you're going to feel used, because that's what you've been. That's, that's, that, is, that is the fact. I mean, let's not be hypothetical here. If this woman who was flown across the country to hook up with Dave Portnoy felt used and felt violated? Well, she was. He did use her for sex. He essentially admits that. He flew her across the country to hook up with her. Well, of course she felt used. He was using her body for his own gratification. Of course she felt violated because that's not supposed to be. That's not what sex is. That's not how God ordained it. I'm not trying to sound like a preachy mama here. You can literally look up the scientific studies. Women feel regret when they engage in casual sex when sex is outside the boundaries of commitment. So there are, there are two different standards here. There's the moral standards and there's the legal standards. But essentially what these leftists are doing is they're acknowledging what they've denied for the past 50 years, that this lack of morality in, in sex or sexual activity is bad for women, that it leads women to feel regret. It, it led this one woman to feel suicidal. But they're taking that They're not only contradicting themselves, they're conflating that with the idea that if you feel used or if you feel violated, then you must be the victim of a crime under our legal system. And that is simply not true. That is simply not true. The crime, a crime that has to do with sex would be non-consensual sex. It would be rape. It would be assault. Those are very different than feeling disgusted with yourself, feeling regret, feeling used or feeling violated. Now, like I said, if there's a crime, if there's an allegation of a crime, that changes the story. But to my knowledge, this does not seem like the allegation of a crime. I mean, and and by the way, this also does a big disservice. It does a disservice to actual victims of actual sexual assault, actual victims of actual rape, because the more that our society trots out these allegations, like the Huma Abedin allegations that we talked about last week, the more our society trots out um, these allegations when they don't meet the elements of the crime, the more that we as a society become desensitized to hearing about it, which means that the next time an actual victim makes an allegation, 
it might roll off our backs. We might not hear it. We might not comprehend it the same way because it's been overused. So these people that are making the allegations when they're false allegations or they're not actually allegations of an actual crime, they're doing a disservice to the victim here. Um, this is also obviously a huge, this is also obviously harmful for men. So it's harmful for women in the ways that we laid out. This is harmful for men because they feel vulnerable. They feel at risk constantly. I mean, this shows up in every aspect of daily life, whether it's someone at, whether it's men at church, whether it's men in the workplace, whether it's men, men's interaction with women, they now feel that our society has moved away from the presumption of innocence until and unless proven guilty. And that now their lives, their reputation, their freedom, their career is all on the line based not on a proven, not on an allegation that was proven to be accurate, but based just on an allegation that could be even anonymous, that they don't have the right to defend themselves. They don't enjoy that presumption of innocence until proven guilty. They don't have the protection of the law. They could be taken down by one woman's false or misleading allegation, and she doesn't even have to put her name to it. This is not a society that we want to live in. This is not a nation of laws. That's why I'm sitting here defending Dave Portnoy when I think that his sexual behavior that he admits to makes him a pig. He still deserves to be defended against these allegations because these allegations are anonymous and they're about the morality of the thing and not about the legality of the thing. And that is a huge, huge difference. The left right now is making a concerted effort, a concerted assault against due process in, in many areas, actually. And even if the people who are facing these allegations, who are the subjects of these allegations, even if we feel disgust with them or disdain, they deserve to be protected under the law. It's not just Dave Portnoy. Kyle Rittenhouse is another example of this. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but first I wanna talk to you about ExpressVPN. Okay, so we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your family's security online, right? But I recently learned that you can also use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available, at least ostensibly, in other countries. It's very simple. This is how it works. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app. You change your location to the UK or any other country. Reflect, refresh your streaming service, Netflix, Hulu, what have you. And that's it. That's all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want websites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. It's not just Netflix either. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is the best, in my opinion, because it is ridiculously fast. I don't have time for buffering or for, or for lag, and you get none of that on ExpressVPN. You can stream in HD, no problem. It's compatible with all your devices. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself and your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. Kyle Rittenhouse is another example of this. So if I look at the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, here's a 17-year-old kid who crossed state lines, meaning he traveled. This wasn't a business that he had a personal connection to. It wasn't his business. It wasn't his friend's business. It wasn't his family's business. It wasn't even the community that he grew up in. He specifically, as a 17-year-old kid, traveled out of state to an area, Kenosha, Wisconsin, that was under siege. They were facing riots in the wake of the shooting of um, Jacob Blake, who, by the way, let's just remember why these riots were happening. These were Black Lives Matter riots destroying people's private property in protest of the police 
shooting, but not killing, a criminal who had an outstanding warrant, who tried to steal a woman's car, who, when the police were called, he resisted arrest, fought the police, tried to run away, and reached for a weapon in his car. Police then shot him. And this shouldn't be controversial. It should be sad that someone's life is so messed up, but this certainly is not police officers indiscriminately shooting a black man, an innocent, unarmed black man. It's not that situation at all. Yet in response, the Black Lives Matter movement, which always is trying to stoke racial divide, descends on Kenosha, Wisconsin and lights it on fire and ruins businesses. People's livelihoods were absolutely destroyed. Their property was destroyed. Their stores were looted. Their buildings were burned. And so Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old kid, got involved here, and it was unwise of him to get involved. I don't think that should be controversial to say. Of course he shouldn't have been involved. He was 17 years old. This wasn't wasn't even his hometown. It wasn't his own property. He shouldn't have been involved here. But the left, the left makes us defend Kyle Rittenhouse. And here's why. Because we as conservatives, we can be nuanced. We can say, well, yeah, it was unwise for him to be involved here. And if he hadn't been involved, that might have been better for the whole situation. But because the left unfairly says, well, this wasn't self-defense. Kyle Rittenhouse, by the way, he shot three people. Two of them died. One of them did not. And the left immediately wants him to be branded without a trial, without due process. They want him to be convicted in the court of public opinion as a white supremacist murderer. And that's why we have to come to the defense of Kyle Rittenhouse. That's why the nuance, the saying, well, it wasn't wise for him to be involved, is almost lost in the shuffle here. Because what, whatever else may be true of Kyle Rittenhouse, it is unjust and unfair for the leftists in the court of public opinion, and by that I just mean the echo chamber of the left, to just issue this verdict against this kid without ever looking at the facts. They did this based on their own political narrative because they want this white kid to be representative of anybody who opposes the Black Lives Matter movement. Well, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is ongoing right now. We're on, what, the seventh day, I believe, um, of this trial right now. The prosecution has rested, but there's simply no doubt in any rational thinking person's mind that Kyle Rittenhouse has the right of self-defense in the situation that, yes, he got himself into, but the wisdom of whether he should have been in that situation is notwithstanding. Once he was in that situation, he enjoys, like everybody else in our country, the right to self-defense. And he was attacked. And he exercised that right to self-defense. So why is he on trial? He shouldn't be. And this was proven. This is in the process of being proven. The process of being proven. Look at what came out yesterday in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. This was, I mean, the prosecution... I, I, you know what? I'm not even going to describe what happened here. Listen and watch this video. The man on the stand is being questioned by the defense, Kyle Rittenhouse's defense. The man on the stand is the third person that Kyle Rittenhouse shot, the one who survived. He did not die. And the defense asks him a question that proves that in this specific shooting, Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. Listen very closely. And then, and then, once you listen to this, look at the prosecution. The prosecution is sitting at the table. It's the big fat man sitting at the table. The prosecution knows that his case is over. Take a listen to this. This is, by the way, um, video that also includes commentary from a very well-known YouTuber reacting in, uh, in real time to this trial. Take a look. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, 
with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, then he fired, right? Correct. Oh, that's it! That's, that's it! it. That's Directed it. verdict. Directed verdict on all the murder charges. Kyle knows. Yeah. Directed verdict on the murder charges. He just he just exhaled. Kyle, oh, he looks like he's gonna cry. How do you not? How do you not? How do you not acquit after that? Look at bigger. Look at bigger. Look at, the, look at big boy. Oh, oh big boy. <laughs> it's it's over. The man that Kyle Rittenhouse shot, who survived, admitted that Kyle Rittenhouse only shot him after he first aimed a gun at Kyle Rittenhouse. There could not be a more fundamental defense of Kyle Rittenhouse's right to self-defense and that his action constituted self-defense. He yelled, Kyle yelled multiple times that he was a friendly. This man continued to chase him. The uh, Same with the other ones, the two that unfortunately, tragically, yes, were killed. There's simply no doubt that this was self-defense. And that's why, even if you think that Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there, even if you question the wisdom of his involvement, even if you wish that he hadn't been there, he still deserves defense because he was deprived due process of law. The left has made his name synonymous with things that aren't true. He didn't just open fire. He wasn't just shooting people indiscriminately. He didn't commit murder. Two people tragically died because they were attacking him and chasing him and didn't listen to him when he tried to run away and said he was a friendly. And now this man, the third man that he shot says, well, no, he didn't open fire until I first aimed my gun at him. This is a classic case of self-defense and the prosecution, did you see the prosecution? He's sitting there like this with his hand on his head. Why is he doing that? That is a position of defeat. Why is he in a position of defeat? Because he knows that his case is over. He knows that the defense just defended Kyle Rittenhouse. He knows that the allegations, the case that they laid out against Kyle Rittenhouse was false. The video proves this. The testimony proves this. We have aerial footage showing Kyle Rittenhouse running away, showing the people that he shot chasing after him. Again, those are the elements of self-defense. And regardless of your opinion of Kyle Rittenhouse or his involvement in, these, in what was happening in Kenosha, he's entitled under the law to self-defense. Again, a precedent set by John Adams a long time ago at the very beginning of the Revolutionary War when John Adams, when no one else would, John Adams defended British soldiers opening fire against American colonists. We can all agree. We, don't, we wish the British soldiers hadn't opened fire. They were wrong for being here. They were, tyrannic, they were tyrants violating our fundamental rights here in what would become the United States. But regardless of whether they should have been there, once they were there, they were entitled to self-defense and they were entitled to due process of law. John Adams was the only lawyer at the time, the only attorney who was willing to defend them, to defend their right to self-defense, their right to an attorney, their right to due process under the law. And we as conservatives should carry on that tradition. There can be individuals whose actions we believe were disgusting, like Dave Portnoy, or wrong, unwise, ill-advised, like Kyle Rittenhouse, but all of that notwithstanding, we have a duty, a responsibility to make sure that these people are afforded their due process under the law, that they are not only enjoying the presumption of innocence until and unless proven guilty, but that the court of public opinion 
is not the final arbiter in whether Kyle Rittenhouse or Dave Portnoy's legal rights are at all abridged. This is fundamental to what it means to be a conservative, by the way. Because we believe in equality for all people. We believe in equality under the law for all people. And sometimes that requires us to defend people that don't deserve to be defended or don't deserve, I guess, under a different standard, right? There's the standard of morality and the standard of wisdom versus the legal standard. And just because someone's actions aren't moral or actions aren't wise doesn't mean that they have forfeited their right to be defended in the legal sphere under due process of law. The left is engaged in a concerted effort to destroy the idea of due process because what the left wants, the left wants to be the arbiters of who is right and who is wrong, who is moral, who is immoral, and who is legal and who is illegal. We see this happening in real time in our nation with the left under the Biden administration, Mayorkas, we're gonna use that same example from the beginning of the show, Mayorkas, just declaring that parents who are opposed to transgender bathrooms or opposed to critical race theory are at threats of being domestic terrorists. That's no longer the left simply disagreeing on a policy basis. That's the left actually wanting to make us illegal. Just like they want to make illegal aliens crossing our borders, violating our laws, legal by giving them $450,000. The left doesn't want Lady Justice with her blindfold on to be a neutral arbiter of the law. The left wants to be the biased arbiter of the law and they want to make us, you and I, because we're conservative, or Dave Portnoy, because he's a man, a white man, who has used capitalism to be prosperous, or Kyle Rittenhouse because he was opposing the Black Lives Matter agenda because he was standing up for private property because, God forbid, he had a firearm. They want to make each and every one of us illegal based on their standards and not based on the law. This assault on due process is something the left or the right, those of us on the right, conservatives, you don't even have to be conservative, actually. Men of all political stripes should worry about the idea that a, an anonymous allegation against them is a guilty verdict? This is frightening. It's shocking. And the left is not done. This, the, the left is not done with their assault on due process. We're going to talk about, um, well, the other federal agency that should be abolished based on their corrupt and heinous activity, their targeting of individuals based on those individuals' political beliefs. And yes, I'm talking about my friend, James O'Keefe. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Moinkbox. As it's getting cold here in the United States, especially in the Northeast, it's time to think about what kind of foods will help you warm up. You hear that bacon sizzling. That's what you want to wake up to. If you could see and taste this bacon from Moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. Yes, I'm a vegan. You know that. So I asked my husband, who is basically Ron Swanson, if this meat from moinkbox.com was good meat. His endorsement is meat, period. He liked it. Let's just say that. Moinkbox delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. This helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. That is a good thing. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged 
in the meat aisle. Sign up for moinkbox.com slash Liz to get a year of bacon for free and then pick which meats you want delivered with your first box. You can change what you get each month, cancel anytime. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now and listeners to this show get free bacon for one year. This is just for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Liz. That's moinkbox.com slash Liz. So what's happening to James O'Keefe right now? And again, when I say what's happening, this is not just, you know, the universe. This is not something that's just, just happens, just happening arbitrarily, just events that are occurring. No, no. What's happening to James O'Keefe right now is he's being targeted by the FBI. The FBI under the Biden administration, um, Biden's FBI raided James O'Keefe's home, raided the homes of two of James O'Keefe's undercover journalists or his journalists and confiscated laptops confiscated. I think James O'Keefe, I think James said he had two iPhones that were confiscated. This was a pre-dawn raid. James woke up to the FBI banging on his door. He opened the door. Bright lights were shined in his eyes. He was handcuffed, pushed against a wall. The FBI searched his home for two hours. Why? Well, because James O'Keefe, who had chosen not to publish um, what was presented to him as the diary of Ashley Biden. Let me back up. This is what happened. Ashley Biden allegedly left her diary in a hotel room. People who came into the hotel room after Ashley Biden, these tipsters, they found this, they found this diary. They became tipsters because they reached out to James O'Keefe and said, listen, we found Ashley Biden's diary. Do you want it? It contains allegedly bombshell allegations about Joe Biden himself. Well, James O'Keefe's people engaged in negotiations for this diary. They ultimately chose not to publish anything associated with it because they are so careful about the veracity of what they publish. They could not establish beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was, in fact, a genuine article, that this was, in fact, the diary of Ashley Biden. So they chose not to publish it. And that's that. Except that the FBI says, well... Ashley Biden's diary was stolen and you were associated with this. So we're going to confiscate your iPhones. Here's what I don't get. You can't actually have this both ways. If, oh, by the way, OKF's people tried to return the Biden or the diary to Ashley Biden and it was refused because Ashley Biden's people said that that wasn't her diary, that that wasn't authentic. It wasn't real. So how can you have Ashley Biden's people refusing to collect their property, denying that it's their property, and at the same time, the FBI raiding James O'Keefe, claiming that Ashley Biden's diary was stolen. It was either a genuine diary or it was a fake. If it was a genuine diary, why did Ashley Biden's people refuse to take it back? And if it was real, then why is the FBI raiding James O'Keefe? Because he didn't steal it. He, as a journalist, was given information from this diary much the same way that the Hunter Biden laptop story happened, right? This is absolutely shocking. His, he is a journalist. His home was raided. His reporter's notes were confiscated after he tried to return this property to the rightful owner. Now, my first reaction when I heard this is the fact that the FBI raided James O'Keefe's home is directly out of Kamala Harris's playbook. This is how Kamala Harris operates. In fact, this is what Kamala Harris did to David Delayden in California when she was attorney general. 
She raided his apartment or had her people raid his apartment. And then her people leaked the information, the laptops, the electronics, the data, the notes that they had confiscated from David Daleiden. They leaked that to Planned Parenthood, who is David Daleiden's number one adversary. This smacks of Kamala Harris. Both David Daleiden and James O'Keefe are journalists. They are undercover investigative journalists. They are part of the free press, which is protected by the United States Constitution. And so what does this mean when we hear that the FBI raided James O'Keefe's apartment? This is scary stuff. This is dangerous stuff. This is Soviet-style targeting of individuals based on their political opinions using the power of the state to try to stifle them. Make no mistake, this is Kamala Harris. And this is why the FBI should be abolished. How much corruption does it take to completely poison an entire agency of the federal government? Because the FBI has given us for years now example after example after example of corruption, of using the power of government to target their political enemies. They did it with Trump. They used the power of the federal government under the guise of the FBI to try to take down a duly elected president. The FBI tried to entrap Michael Flynn. The FBI is now targeting a journalist who didn't even publish a story because he couldn't actually certify that that diary was authentic. So he tried to return that diary to the rightful owner and they raid his apartment. What other notes have they confiscated? What other stories are they trying to stop him from reporting? They're trying to tie him up in legalese to try to stop him from reporting stories that the Biden administration doesn't like. This is exactly what Kamala Harris does. This is her strategy. Kamala Harris is so dangerous. And because the right, yeah, we pushed back when David Daleiden's apartment was raided, when she raided David Daleiden's apartment, but because the right doesn't put a stop to this, the left and Kamala Harris, they're emboldened. They know that this is a strategy that works to tie up independent journalists who don't have the same funding, don't have the same resources as the federal government of the United States does, to tie them up in all kinds of lawsuits and legalese and legal fees until they're unable to expose the wrongdoing that the leftists are engaged in in the first place. This is, as I said, this is almost textbook Soviet-style targeting of individual journalists who are reporting things that the leftist politicians don't want reported, so the leftist in charge of the government uses the power of the government to try to squash them and stifle them. And this is why you and I, as conservatives, we must defend due due process of law because James O'Keefe is not enjoying due process of law right now. Not at all. He's not enjoying the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. No, the left is weaponizing the law against him because they don't like what he's saying. And by the way, doesn't it make you wonder what was in Ashley Biden's diary? What did she say about Joe Biden? What was so scary to the left? What did they want to protect? What were they fearful would be exposed to the extent that they would use the FBI to raid James's apartment, take away his iPhones? and try to silence him with the power of the federal government? Well, if that doesn't make you wonder, I don't know what will, but we must, as conservatives, defend due process because if the federal government, the leftists using the federal government can go after David Daleiden, can go after James O'Keefe, if they can deprive 
citizens, if the leftist media complex can deprive citizens in the court of public opinion, like Kyle Rittenhouse and Dave Portnoy, if they can convict them in the court of public opinion and try to deprive them of due process of law, which they, as American citizens, deserve and are entitled to, then they certainly can do it to you and to me if we don't stop them from doing so. This is scary stuff, my friends, scary stuff. If you are not already part of the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, please join us over there at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. We have no fear of censorship on Locals, no fear of our conversations being stifled, no fear of the left abridging our freedom of speech or our freedom of religion or our freedom to have these discussions. So I invite you to come over there. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so. The Liz Wheeler Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.